Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church as Dan Abbott preaches from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 with the message entitled, Alive in Christ. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you here this morning. Uh, you know, Joel asked me, I think sometime in January or February of this year, if I would be able to speak today in August, and I had no idea that I would actually be speaking at now the church that we're attending. Um, it's kind of amazing what God does and how he works and how he moves, but my family and I, Anna, you probably know better than me at this point, um, we're just excited to be a part of the Hollyview community, uh, to be a part of what it is that God is doing here. Just love hearing the stories, the testimonies of what God is doing in you, through you, around you. Um, God is always moving and working, and we are in such a great space, place to to be a part of that, to work alongside of what it is that he's doing. Um, I love I love how Scott uh, shared that sco- story about the guy at the at the service station, um, because uh, I also have a, a story of, about being at a gas station the other day, and I had just finished up golfing when I went into the Arco here in Sandy, and to get a Gatorade because I was thirsty, and it was like you know 100 degrees outside, the smoke was coming in, I just needed a break. And so as I'm walking outside, there's a car that pulls up next to me, young guy, probably in his 20s, and he just kind of yells out toward, you know, the passenger window and says, hey, man, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I'm going back to get into my car, you know, not thinking too much of it. And he says, hey, can I pray for you? And I thought to myself, you know, a lot of times my, my radar goes off, you know, it's kind of like a warning, you know, like, oh, no, crazy Christian, crazy I know you guys know what I'm talking about. But... Something in me just said, hey, you know what? Just hear this guy out. Listen to what he has to say. And, um, and so he prayed for me, and it was great. And he said, hey, do you, uh, do you believe that Jesus died for you? And I said, yes, I do. And he says, hey, would you repeat this prayer after me? And so at this point, I'm, I'm going into, into the salvation prayer. You know, I know that I'm already saved, but something in me just says, I want to I hear what he has to say, this, this prayer. And so um, I pray the prayer, and it was interesting to me that, you know, afterwards I just, I said, hey, thank you so much for that. I didn't say, hey, I've been saved, this has been a waste of your time, um, anything like that, because it really wasn't. Because what it did is that it reminded me of what it is that Jesus has done in my life. Um, all the things, the incredible things that he has done for me, and for everyone, really, Right? opening the door so that we can have a relationship with him through Christ. And honestly, it can really be easy to forget. I mean, life happens, circumstances change, situations arise, and we can just settle into our salvation, um, just forgetting how incredible of a miracle that takes place every time someone comes to faith. For me, it's like getting on an airplane, maybe. Um, you know, you get set up in your seat, you put your headphones on, maybe you uh, pick out a movie to watch, 
you know, you might talk to the person next to you, but really we're more concerned about the destination. In this picture, the destination is heaven. Just let me sit down, get comfortable, and get to heaven. My hope this morning is that, that this message is intended to remind us just how amazing it is of what God has done for us and how much it has impacted us, whether we realize it or not. And sometimes for me personally, God has to kind of like bring some turbulence to that airplane. And I have to grab my parachute and I got to jump out because there's things to do. And that's exciting. I mean, this life with Jesus, it, it's, it's an adventure. We enter into something that's the most incredible possible thing that we could ever imagine. Um, initially, I was uh, going to read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, which I still am going to. But in order to paint a fuller picture, I really want to start in chapter 1, verses 18. Um, so if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. We'll start there, and then we'll read all the way through to chapter 2, verse 10. And this is Paul speaking here. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses, in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful to be here with you this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are so real, God. I ask Jesus that you would lead us and guide us today, that you would open our hearts to what you have in store for us, that we would really be reminded today of what it is that you've done for us, God, and that we can turn to you in all these things as we walk this walk with you, Lord. And um, I ask that you would bless this time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want us to notice is that it's the power of God that raises Jesus from the dead. Romans 8.11 says that it was the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. The power that he exerted was the Holy Spirit. The combination of chapter 1 and chapter 2 sets us up for two things. The first is that it shows us that Jesus is at the highest possible level in the heavenly realms. 
and we are at the lowest possible level, dead and buried in our sin. If you were to take all the sin that you've committed in your life and piled it on top of yourself, that's the picture that we're seeing here. The contrast being that Jesus is literally high and lifted up, and we are the furthest thing from him. He is alive, sitting next to God the Father, and we are dead, laying in our sin. It would literally take the same power that raised Christ from the dead to raise us from the dead. An actual miracle, a move of God in our lives. How do we find ourselves in this situation, buried in our own sin, spiritually dead? Well, we know that Adam and Eve set us up for this one, right? And although we, we often blame Adam and Eve, and you know, rightfully so, um, I bet that if you or I were around back then, we too would have made the same choice. You could just as well as be blaming Dan and Anna at this point. Because without Christ, that's exactly what we do. We make wrong decisions. Paul explains why we make these wrong decisions, why it is that we sin. He gives us three reasons, or actually, better yet, it's three influences. And you really can't have one without the other. I've created this formula just for fun. It's, uh, it's sin nature plus the devil equals the world. Those sinful desires that we have, encouraged by the devil, equals, in the physical manifestation of the world, what takes place. In reality... Each one works together to pretty much just try to take us down, literally to bury us. I'll give you a real-life example of, of when I was younger. I used, to, I used to smoke cigarettes, and I'll tell you how it is that it came to be. One day, a friend of mine came to me in school and asked me if I wanted a cigarette. And right there at that point, you know, my heart rate starts beating really fast. I get all kind of sweaty, you know, because I didn't know what to do. I knew that smoking was bad, but I didn't want to be uncool, so I decided I would just take it home with me. I held onto that cigarette for three days. You know, and as looking back, I could really see that the devil kept saying, go ahead, smoke it. The world was showing me that other kids were smoking, they seemed to be doing okay. My nature was bent on making bad decisions, but believe it or not, I took that cigarette, broke it in half, and threw it away. I wish I could say that that was the end of the story. But it really was at that moment that the devil started hounding me about how much I wanted to try smoking. And again, I saw other kids my age smoking, and my natural bent got the best of me, and I found a way to start smoking. I listened to a John Piper message on this same passage the other day, and he mentioned that he thought Paul called the devil the ruler of the kingdom of the air because air is everywhere. And the devil is everywhere, just waiting for the perfect moment to pounce on you like a lion, as Peter says. When temptation comes your way, you can bet that the devil's right there whispering in your ear, either giving you ideas or encouraging you on the things that have been influencing in your life. Just encouraging you to go for it. I'm not trying to give credit to the devil, but we shouldn't be unaware of his schemes. And you can see how our sin nature the devil and the world work together. And maybe it's, not, maybe it's not cigarettes you're being tempted with or, or having trouble with, but this is how it works. You can take any temptation or sin, whether it's anger, whether it's greed, whether it's envy, whether it's purity, whatever it may be, you will see the devil, the world, and our sin nature working together to wrap us up, or better yet, 
to bury us in our own stuff so we couldn't hear or see God even if we wanted to. This is the picture that Paul wants us to see. It's a hopeless case. Not some random person so we can say, man, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. But it's you. It's me. Buried with no chance of escape. And that's when he says, but. One of the greatest words in the Bible. But. Because of his great love, being rich in mercy, through his kindness and grace, made us alive in Christ. Just as he exerted his power when he raised Christ from the dead, when you were saved, when I was saved, he exerted his power to raise us up from the dead, seating us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Physically, we are here at Hollyview this morning, but spiritually, we are in the heavenly realms. That's a pretty cool thought. Why would God even make a way for this to happen? It's because of who he is. It's because of the character and nature of God. Our character and nature are are rubbish without Christ. God's character and nature are something to be worshipped. Exodus 34, 6 says, and this is God actually describing himself, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Did you know this is the most quoted verse by the Bible? This is something that God wants to get across to us. And this is exactly what he wants to get across to us in these verses. Because of who God is, he lifts us up and places us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God. Nobody can say that they were the ones that got God's attention, and nobody can say that they did all these amazing things so God saved them. If you think back to when you became a Christian, and you think about the surrounding circumstances, did you make them happen, or did God make them happen? I became a Christian all the way on the other side of the world in New Zealand. God had to literally pluck me up from my home in Connecticut, fly me clear across the world, and surround me with people who talked about a relationship with Jesus that I had never heard about before. And ultimately, he opened my heart, and I was able, by his power and grace, to receive the truth of who Christ is and what he has done for me. And I know that each person's story is different. My story and Anna's story are complete opposites. My past is very colorful, as we'll call it, and she was saved at a young age. She thinks that her story is boring, and I wish my story was boring. Maybe your story is somewhere in the middle, but no matter what, we are all saved out of death and into life. Perhaps you're here this morning and you haven't given your life to Christ. Today could be that day. The day he exerts his power through his spirit and lifts you up out of sin and raises you up with Christ in the heavenly realms. True life does not begin until we are alive in Christ. And when we are transferred from being dead and buried in our sin to the heavenly realms in Christ, we are then able to walk in the good works God has prepared for us. Um... 
walking in these good works is I read the NIV version, the ESV version, I think does a better job of, of bringing this back together. Um, Paul words it like this to show the contrast between what we were doing before Christ and what we can do in Christ. So before Christ, we were walking in the ways of the world, and in Christ, we're actually able to walk in the ways of God. Before, it was impossible to do the things of God and now he has actually made a way we can do God things here on earth just as in heaven. I want us to try to imagine what this could look like for us as individuals and as the church here at Hollyview. What would it look like if you were fully walking in the ways of God on a regular basis? What would it look like in your personal life, in your family, in your relationships? What would it look like here at Hollyview? a community of people walking in the ways of God, physically here and yet spiritually in the heavenly realms. Now I know when I say that, it, it kind of seems as if like the heavenly realm is just so far away. It's almost as if we're always trying to catch up to our true selves or something. But I believe that heaven, the spiritual realm that we're talking about, is much closer than we realize. You know, my dad told me this story once, and if you knew my dad, he's not one to be seeking out spiritual experiences, which is why I love this story even more, is that he was at a Dunkin' Donuts of all places, which on the East Coast, it's a coffee shop, sells donuts, and he was just in line, just with everybody else in line waiting for a donut, and he said that he suddenly felt like he had crossed through a veil of sorts and felt a tremendous peace come over him. For a brief moment, he said that he felt no anxiety and that everything was going to be all right. There was no reason to worry. He said it lasted about 10 or 15 seconds tops. He calls this moment blessed assurance. He felt like God was right there and that heaven was right there. I remember a time looking up in the sky and praying as if like, God, you're way up there. I'm praying to you. And I just felt like in my spirit, him kind of coming up to me and saying, hey, what are you looking at? Or where are you looking? I'm right here. He is so close to us. And as believers, he lives in us. By the power of his spirit, Christ is alive in us and we are alive in Christ. It's incredible. As I said before, true life does not begin until we give our lives to Christ. Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What does this new life look like? We talked a bit about the closeness of God. But how does it play out on a regular basis? I think it's important to know that this is a process, and when you're in a process, certain things can change as we go through this new life with God. As we learn more and more how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, to hear his voice, to walk further in his ways, it's a learning process, and it plays out differently in each one of our lives. I think that God really does an amazing job of using our experiences of the past and present to lead us into the future. Good experiences and bad experiences. And I kind of want to tell you a little bit of, of my story and how it is that God has led me really here this morning to, to Hollyview. You know, when I became a Christian in New Zealand, it was, with, it was uh, in the organization Youth with a Mission, you know, YWAM. And God used that environment to, one, lead me to Christ, and two, lead me into a life of missions. 
If you had asked me at that time what I was going to do for the rest of my life, I would have told you, hands down, I'm going to be a missionary. I wanted to go everywhere to tell people about Jesus. I wasn't going to go to one country. I was going to go to every country. And for the next four years, I had traveled to 10 countries, living in at least six of them for three months or more at a time, with my home base being in South Africa. I was living a missionary life. And then one day, wasn't necessarily out of the blue, but it's just that God led me back to the States. And I felt that I needed to finish up a business degree that I left behind before I had gone off to New Zealand. And so then I thought, well, it looks like I'm going to be doing something with business. I graduated with my degree, and God placed two businessmen in my life who loved Jesus and began to mentor me. One of the guys asked me to start studying to get my insurance license to sell insurance, you know, just to get things started. And at the same time, he was asking me to study stewardship in the Bible. And one day, I'm sitting there in my living room, and I'm studying insurance, and I'm like, man, I hate this. And then I'm studying the Bible, and I'm saying to myself, wow, I love this. And so it was probably only two weeks or so, no joke, that I was accepted to Western Seminary here in Portland. My car was packed, and I was on my way across the country to study the Bible. While here in Portland, I met Anna. We got married. I graduated from seminary. And a year and a half into our marriage, we found ourselves with our six-month-old son on a three-month mission trip to Israel, pastoring an international church. We loved it so much that we thought, we should do this full-time. So we ended up raising support, finding ourselves working with YWAM again, and looking to be full-time missionaries. Well, to make a long story short, we went on a mission trip to Mongolia, and we had the worst experience that you could possibly have. Everyone on the team got so sick from the water. Jesse, who was a year and a half at the time, lost 12 pounds from being so sick. As a team, it seemed like we forgot how to communicate, like we were all speaking English, but nobody understood each other. It was so bad that we ended up having to come home early. Set for 12 weeks, left in four weeks. When we got back, we didn't have a place to stay. Nobody could take us in. So we ended up with my parents down in Texas asking God the question, what in the world just happened? And as we began to process and to pray and to think, we got a phone call. A phone call from Anna's parents exclaiming how this new, the new missionary care organization called Sanctuary and that they had started purchased property up in Welch's. They were actually looking for some people to help get things up and running. I kind of wish the missionary care was there maybe four months earlier for us. So what we did is that we said that we could volunteer for a year. We just assumed that God was going to move us, you know, kind of like he has been somewhere else at that point. And yet, here we are, five years later, still working at Sanctuary Inn. Sanctuary Inn is a place where we are able to use our missions experience, the good and the bad, to talk with our missionary guests. I get to use my business degree and my lessons in stewardship along the way as I raise money for the organization and steward the resources that God gives to me. God gives to me in the ministry. To the ministry, not to me. And here we are this morning at Hollyview. Anna being able to flow in her giftedness, and we get to be part of a community who loves Jesus. You know, that's just, that's just pieces of the story. I could definitely go in, dive in more detail, 
tell you more of the, uh, the sadder parts of the story, the, the higher points of the story. But the point is, is that we're in a process. And I really believe that when we come into relationship with Jesus, when we're really most alive, walking in the ways of God, we're walking with Christ himself. You know, if you picture yourself on a path or on a trail going through the woods, like this is the new life that you're able to walk with him. Sometimes there's people with you. Sometimes there's people around you. I know there's also times when you can see something off the trail and you're like, I got to go see that. And you run off the trail. And Jesus is like, hey, no, come on back. It's okay. We, we want to stay right over here. Then you continue on. Sometimes it's like, you know what? I want to go back. It was more comfortable back there. And you start turning around and you start taking off. And Jesus grabs your hand. Or maybe it's somebody next to you that grabs your hand and says, no. No, we're going to keep going this way. Sometimes you're along the path and Jesus will tell you, hey, we're going to go up to that point right there. We're going to take a break. Sometimes Jesus doesn't tell you that. and You just have to trust him. You have to walk with him, along with him, following him there. I really believe that this life with Christ is, is an adventure. Um, something that, that brings me a lot of joy and a lot of life is, uh, is backpacking or, or climbing mountains. And there's no better like uh, metaphor than this adventure with Jesus. I mean, there's been moments where I have slipped and fallen so far down where almost where I've fallen into a crevasse. There's moments where it's super scary. There's moments where it's like the most incredible feeling ever because I'm at the highest height and I get to see something that I would never have seen otherwise. That's the life with Christ. What is your story? Where has God been leading you? Where, he has, where has he taken you from? I really hope that this, this, this message has, is something of encouragement to you, something to remind you of the amazing things that God has done in your life. And as you go through just the week, just, just this week, I would encourage you to take the time to look back on your own life and look for how it is that God has been leading you. You know, even as I was preparing for this message, it's amazing the process that God is taking me through. You know, even from, from meeting that guy to reminding me of who it is that I am in Christ, taking me to this passage and really seeing like, man, God is on the move so much more than I even give him credit for. Keep an eye out for him because he really is working and moving in just an amazing way. I want to finish this, reading by, finish this morning by reading Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3. It's verses 14, 14 through 21. And what I want to do is I want to read it as a blessing over us this morning. That Paul really stops in the middle of this book. In the prayer, he kind of sums up all the things that he's been saying in chapters 1, 2, and 3, with chapter 2 being right there in the middle. Some real solid stuff there. And I want to read it over us as a church here at Hollyview. Just that God would continue to do these amazing things in us. In verse 14, it says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's keep an eye on what it is that God is doing in our lives. And I love being part of this 
community here at Hollyview, and I just want to encourage each of us to, to, to talk to each other about what it is that God has been up to, what it is that God's been doing through the years of our relationship with him. And I just, again, I'm just so thankful to be able to be here today, be a part of the community, looking forward to getting to know um, so much of you even more and better. And so I just bless you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Church.